Welcome to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope this podcast encourages you, challenges you, and furthers your relationship with God in a whole new way. Enjoy this week's message. store and isn't it funny that what happens is we walk into the grocery store with our money and we say I want this bottle of orange juice so we take the bottle of orange juice put it in our cart bring it to the cashier put it in our car go home put it on our table pour it in the cup and enjoy the orange juice and that's a whole process within itself but what we fail to realize is that there was a process from the, for the orange juice to get to the store somebody had to plant the seed Somebody had to watch the tree grow. Somebody had to pick the oranges off of the tree. Then somebody else had to take the oranges from the tree and bring it to the processing mill. (laughs) And then the oranges had to be crushed and squeezed to create juice. And then that juice had to be pasteurized, had to add uh, additives to it and whatever it is to get it to the bottle. (laughs) Do you see how long of a process this is? But what happens is we go and we get the finished product. What happens when God doesn't, he gives you the seed and the finished product, but he doesn't give you the process. He gives you the seed and he gives you the finished product, but he does not give you the process. This is what was happening with Abraham. Look at what we've been dealing with throughout this series. Chapter 12, I will make you a father of all nations. I'm paraphrasing. I will make you a father of all nations. But he did not tell you that you were going to see a city burn to the ground. He did not tell you that you were going to lie and have your wife taken from you multiple times. He did not tell you that you were going to be dealing and uh, dealing with, uh, uh, you know, putting yourself in a position where you did not want to wait. He did not tell you everything in the middle. So this was Abraham's thing. My first point, and if you don't hear nothing else today, I want you to hear this. In the waiting room, in the process, you have to know how to act. You have to know how to act. Look at your neighbor and say, act right. right. No, you got to say it. You got to say it like like you mean, act right now. Act right. right. Because in the waiting room, there's no time for you to be acting wrong. Why? Why? Because when you are acting wrong or acting in a different manner in which God does not want you to, it adds time to your process. How do I know? Ask the children of Israel. Ask the children of Israel who went around a mountain 40 years, which was, I I believe, was only a seven or, or so day journey. But 40 years around the mountain because they did not follow the process. They did not act right. What does act mean? I'm glad you asked. Act is acknowledge. You have to acknowledge God. You have to communicate with God. And you have to trust God. Now that you know that, look at your neighbor and say, act right. Huh? Let's get into this. So there are going to be five things that you are going to encounter uh, during your process in your waiting room. The first thing is a critical spirit. We see this in Genesis 20 and 1. I'm not going to read it for you, but we see Uh, On the onset of our story, we see that Abraham gets up and goes again into a land without an instruction from God. 
So if you've been following through this series, and if you have not, I'll bring you up to speed. Abraham has a tendency of moving without an instruction from God. He gets promises from God, and he gets invitations from God, and he gets uh, blessings from God, but sometimes, uh, more, more often than not, he moves without an instruction from God. So here he is again uh, in Genesis 1, moving without an instruction from God. What does that show? Abraham took on a critical spirit. Somebody say critical. What does critical mean? Critical means expressing adverse or disapproving comments or judgments. So because Abraham saw the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, he decided to move away from what he saw because he did not like it, disapproving. And so he did not wait for God to speak uh, concerning the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah because God's, uh, God's word to him could have been stay, wait. His word could have been go. But he did not wait for that. So what he took on was a critical spirit. Let's bring it forward to where we are today. Many of us are in waiting rooms. Many of us are in a process. And instead of waiting on the instruction from God, we are going and doing what we would like to do to make things happen for ourselves when we should trust the process. That's why the title of the message is, I am good with the process. Because I don't want to take on a critical spirit and bring about five extra years, ten extra years. I'm talking to those people that have been dealing in cycles because you have not followed an instruction or you haven't even gotten an instruction from God. It is okay to go back to God and get an instruction. It is okay to say, God, I messed up. I need you to speak so that I can move properly. That's where Abraham found himself, moving without an instruction from God. And where does that bring him? To a strange land. (laughs) It brings him to a king that he does not know. It brings him to a person that he is not familiar with. But God still uses this situation to bring him and push him closer to his purpose. God is so gracious to us that even when we are not moving uh, according to his instructions and according to what he wants, he will still give us and push us closer to our purpose. Are you happy about that? I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So a critical spirit is triggered by emotional and spiritual ties that are still connected but need to be disconnected. How do I know? How do, how do I know? You want to you hear it again? Emotional, uh, emotional and spiritual ties that are still connected that need to be disconnected. How do I know? When Sodom and Gomorrah burned down, when the fire of God came down on it, Abraham had a spiritual tie to Sodom and Gomorrah. How do I know? Genesis 18 and 23, he went to God multiple times. Not one time, not two times, something around five or six times. And he said, God, if you can find five, if you could find 50 people, would you spare the city? If you can find 45 people, would you spare the city? If you can find 10 people, because he wasn't finding anybody, would you spare the city? If you could find five people, would you spare? That sounds like a spiritual tie. I don't now the now I may be missing it, but the Bible doesn't record uh, what the spiritual what the spiritual connection is to Sodom and Gomorrah. But Abraham had one. And so when Sodom and Gomorrah burned down, it was a signification that it was time for Abraham to move on from that spiritual tie. But he harbored that spiritual tie. What happens when you drink too many spoiled things? 
what happens when you have too many things that God has already cut off from your life that you are still holding on to? It becomes parasitic. It becomes harmful to your body. If I drink too much spoiled milk, I will begin to throw up. <laughs> if I eat too many expired things, I will wind up in the hospital. <laughs> so Abraham had to cut that tie. Listen, for this point, when there is a spiritual tie, learn to cut it quickly. Abraham could not do that because he was still battling with God. He was still battling with the will of God. Don't fight the will of God in this season. Don't fight what God wants to do for you in 2023. It's great. It's wonderful. It's powerful. Whatever God has on the horizon for you, it is excellent. But don't fight with things that God has already severed. Don't fight with things that God has called an expiration period to. So learn to cut those, cut those ties quickly. Huh? Are we understanding? Are we good? Let's go to our next point, the rematch. The rematch. We'll start seeing this in Genesis 2. Now, I, I have something with Abraham. I think he is hilarious. I think he is hilarious. Why? Because he has a beautiful wife who did not ask to be beautiful. Right? Sarah did not ask to be beautiful. God made her that way. Hmm? And Abraham decides um, that every time he makes a mistake and goes into a foreign land, he tells Sarah, I need you to lie for me. Because if you lie for me, they won't kill me. They'll just take you. Am I lying? Bible scholars, am I lying? Okay. And so what happens is, when uh, Abraham finds himself uh, before King Abimelech, he says, listen, I need you to lie for me. Now, this is the same lie that Abraham told back in uh, earlier in Genesis. So why am I calling it the rematch? I'm calling it the rematch because sometimes the things that we fail in and the things that we fall short in is not just going to depart from us and leave us alone. It is coming back to us for a rematch. Can I say something to you today? You've been qualified for the rematch. Whatever you have failed in before, this is your time to go up against it again in the rematch. You've been qualified to win in this rematch. Hmm? Abraham failed at this point, but I want to tell you that this is your time to win. What do you need to do to win? Well, I'm glad you asked. First Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion. Now, hang on. If you know anything about lions, you know that they will circle their prey multiple times before they attack. That sounds like a rematch for me. I saw you this time, and I thought you were going to attack, and I failed, so I lied. But I see you coming around again, and I see you coming around again. And when you pounce this time, I'm going to be ready. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready. I'm not going to lie again. I'm not going to be like Abraham and fall into the trap again. I'm going to be ready for this rematch. After you receive Christ, hmm, after you get saved, it is important to understand that you start what is called the the sanctification process. And so what does that have to do with the rematch? It tells me that we have to invest in being sanctified. Because if we don't, we will fall short of what God expects for us. 
Sanctification does not only happen while you are at the altar. Sanctification is a continual life thing that you must do to find yourself in right standing with God. Amen. Amen. So when you find yourself going through the process of sanctification, make sure you understand that it is for the rematch that is coming. It is for what you I know, you know, maybe some people used to drink. Maybe some people used to smoke. Maybe some people used to do other stuff. That rematch is still coming around. Just because you got saved don't mean that the desire still isn't there. Can we talk real? Just because you are saved does not mean that temptation is not around the corner. Hmm? What did Jesus say? When Jesus was uh, uh, tempted with something, he said, get thee behind me, Satan, because it is written. He followed it up with the word of God. The word of God is what will sanctify you, not your mind. The word of God is what will sanctify you, not your mind. If you keep thinking that you can save yourself, if you keep thinking, well, if I just stay away from it, if I just don't think about it, guess what? It's still going to still going to be a thought. (laughs) Our minds don't work like that. You know, it's still going to be a thought. Now, you can ask God to take certain desires away from you. And I'm I am a believer that God will do so. But in the grand scheme of things, we have to do the work, which is reading the Bible that will renew our mind. The Bible is so intentional. You have to renew. That means a continual thing. The rematch, you are going to fail at the rematch if you don't renew your mind. You are going to fail at the rematch if you don't continually sanctify yourself. Amen? So that's the rematch. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm qualified for the rematch. Hallelujah. All right. This is like my favorite part of the message, okay, because I think it is so funny that in um, Abraham's problems and in his inability to follow God's instruction, uh, God still reveals to him his calling and his purpose. Okay, Uh, I'm going I'm going to move this table over uh, because I don't want to have it all the way over here. Just bring it over this way. All right. Can everybody see? My uh, my uh, examples here. Okay, so you have your calling and your purpose. Now Abraham did not wait on the instruction of God. He finds now himself in a point where he is uh, before King Abimelech, and in the dialogue uh, between God and King Abimelech, he came to him in a dream and he said, "Listen, you're as good as dead if you." Uh, sleep with Sarah because uh, that is Abraham's wife. He comes, the, the dialogue continues, and Abimelech says, God, I didn't, I didn't know that. He told me that that was his sister, so I'm only doing what I normally do. And he said, I know that, and I know that your heart is pure, but don't touch Sarah because the man that you are dealing with is a prophet. Fun fact. Abraham was never called the prophet outside of this scripture in Genesis. One time, one time, I mean, I looked it up. I could be wrong. I looked it up, and that was the only time that God referred to Abraham as a prophet. So let's get into this, your calling and your purpose. Understand the difference between a gift, a calling, and a purpose. My writers, you need to write this down. Understand the difference between a gift, a calling, and a purpose. So I'm, I'm really excited about this because God gave this to me, and I was like, oh, I've never done this before, so I'm excited. A gift. Y'all like my rapping? 
I think I did a pretty decent job, right? A gift is God's present to you, okay? Ephesians 4 and 8 says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. For my Bible scholars, if you go down a little bit, the Bible says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And so those gifts are in this box, which he gives to us his body. Amen. What happens with a gift? When God gives you a gift, he requires you, you listening? He requires you to grow your gift. Abraham was given his calling through King Abimelech, was never told from God to Abraham. But Abimelech treated him as a prophet. And so it was Abraham's duty to take this present and grow it. This is separate from his promise. I'm talking to a few, <laughs> I'm talking to a few of you that think your gift and your promise are connected. The Bible says that gifts and callings are without repentance. The Bible also says in another version, the New King James Version, that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. So the gift that God gives you can never be taken away from you. If you are given the gift of prophecy, it will never be taken away from you. This is Bible. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. So God gives Abraham a gift. Why is this important to our text? Why is this good to process? I'll tell you, because sometimes in your process, you will slip and fall. Sometimes in your process, you will fall short. Abraham did it multiple times, but God still treated him by the gift that he gave him. Woo! He still treated him as a prophet. He still treated him. I can give someone this gift right now and get mad at them and take it back. That's called an Indian giver, for those of you that don't know. I have some of those people in my family. So, but God is not an Indian giver. He will give you a gift and say, no matter what, you deserve this because this is my will for you. Understand the difference between a gift, a calling, and a purpose. What's next? A calling. A calling is an invitation. Hmm. A calling is an invitation. Let's look at Romans 11 and 29. Uh, this is still the same scripture for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. What does an invitation require? An invitation requires an RSVP. Hmm? An invitation requires your presence. Abraham had to be present with God in order to get to his promise. You got to act right. You have to acknowledge, communicate. In order to communicate, you have to have an invitation. And in order to have this invitation, you must be present with God so that you can hear from him so that you can move accordingly. I feel in my spirit that in this house, there are many invitations that God has given, but we have failed to RSVP. Will you RSVP today? Will you give your presence and energy to God when he is calling you? When Abraham was being called, Genesis 12, get up out of your country. 
Get away from your kinsmen. It was a calling. It was an invitation. And what did Abraham do? He followed through. He RSVP'd, and he said, yes, Lord, I will go. Hmm. So understand the difference between a gift, a calling, and a purpose. So a purpose, the last one, is God's desire for you. Now, we have the gift, which everybody likes. We have the invitation, right? I want to be invited to stuff. But then we have God's word. Your purpose is in here. Your purpose is in God's word. It is his desire for you. I know you want Bible, and I have it. I have a physical Bible, and I actually have scripture to back it up. Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. The word of God. Understand the difference between a gift, a calling, and a purpose. Uh, Abraham's purpose, now, unfortunately, Abraham did not have a Bible in those days. But if he did, he would be going to it to recall. And our pastor, Steve, thank you, Holy Ghost, gave us an example of how to remember when God speaks to you. He built an altar. He built an altar. And so even though Abraham did not have pages to turn to go back, he still had an altar that he can go back to showing that God had revealed his purpose to him. How many times do we forget the things that God said to us because we don't go back to the altar or because we don't go back to his word? It would be pointless for us to go throughout our lives talking about God is going to do this, and he promised me this, and he promised me that, and we don't even know the word that he spoke over us. Abraham knew the importance of remembering because when he made the altar, it would automatically jog his memory to say, God told me this, therefore I know it is true. And here we are in the 21st century, we have Bibles on our phones, we have Bibles in pages, and we still don't pick it up to read what God says about us. And we wonder why we are defeated. We wonder why we are dealing with so much chaos. It is because we are not using his word. The Bible says that I write his word on the tablets of my heart so that I may not sin against thee. The word of God is our reminder. It is God's purpose, his desire for us. So when you think you have no purpose, open the book. When you think that your life is over, open the book, because I guarantee you the Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life. When you are going through uh, anxieties and chaos, the Bible says, be not anxious for anything, but in all things through what? Prayer and supplication. When you are going through many things, this book will help you remember what God has for your life. Understanding the difference between purpose, calling, uh, and gifts. Y'all got that? Y'all writing? Y'all good? All right. So I just, I, I really enjoy this segment because I think it's important that we all understand the difference between those two. In the midst of Abraham going through what he was going through, making bad decisions, um, and making good decisions, God still decided to reveal his calling. Prior to, he revealed his purpose. And many times throughout Genesis, he gave him an invitation. Amen? So that is your purpose and your calling. Y'all good? We can move to our next point. 
Our next point is protection. Uh, it'll read for you protection, but in my notes, it should be protection of your promise. Understand this. God will protect his promise that he gave you. If he gave you a promise, he will make sure that it comes to pass. Genesis 26, uh, starting at verse 6, and God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. This is God uh, communicating with King Abimelech, telling him that I was the person that withheld you from sleeping with Sarah. Why did God do that? Well, he did it for a couple of reasons. The first reason is for the promise that he gave Abraham in chapter 12. The next reason is because uh, he did not want to defile Sarah, huh? Because there was a promise that was getting ready to come through Sarah's womb. I want to take it a step further to let you know that the promise that is coming through Sarah's womb will then impact the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So if King Abimelech would have slept with Sarah, her womb would have become contaminated. I want to talk to a few of you. Your womb will not be contaminated in this season. Whatever God is bringing forth in you will come forth in purity and it will come forth with clarity. If King Abimelech would have given the seed to her, it would have been the wrong seed in the right womb. How many times are we injecting things into us at the wrong time, at the wrong season, when God is trying to push forth purpose in us? Wow. He's trying to push forth purpose, but we're putting junk into our system. He's trying to push forth purpose, but we are putting things that is not of him in our system. Social media is great, but too much of it can take you away from your purpose. Because what happens is you begin to covet other things that people have and you forget that God has provided for you up until this point. Abraham forgot that God bought him through the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. So he moved when he should have remembered that I was spared. I was spared with Sodom and Gomorrah. So I should be able to trust God in what I'm doing. Remember, act right, acknowledge, communicate and trust. Abraham had a trust problem. I'm talking to a few of you that feel like you can't trust people. Partnerships are important for 2023. You are going to have to trust somebody in order to move your purpose forward. You're going to have to trust your pastors if you want to move your purpose forward. You're going to have to trust each other if you are going to move your purpose forward. Now, I'm not saying be naive and dumb, but I am saying that you have to have a level of trust so that things can be moved forward. Amen? Amen. So Isaac is the promised child. Uh, Jacob would be then born after. And then out of Jacob would come the 12 tribes of Israel. And out of a tribe of Judah would come the lineage of Jesus Christ. And so it is important to understand that when God speaks a word, he is not just talking to be talking. He talks because he knows that he is going to watch over his word to perform it. Hmm. So I'm talking to a few of you that have received the word and said, hmm. I don't know about that. Someone told me I'm going to be a millionaire, you know, and they, they have a good track record, but I don't know about that. I think, I think they was reaching. I'm coming to tell you that God will watch over his word to perform it. He will watch over his word. He will if he will stop a king for Abraham, he will stop a bullet for you. 
if he will stop a king for Abraham, what more would he stop for us that love him and that live for him? Amen? So God will protect his promise. He will protect his promise. I'm excited about that because the promises over my life are yea and amen. So when, not, when, when God says yes and amen to me, I'm looking for everything. When I go on my business ventures, when I go through life, for God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness, I am looking for yes and amen over my life. Amen. You have to speak it over yourself. You have to believe it for yourself. The promises of God over my life are yes and amen. Regardless of what may come, God is a protector of his promise. He is a protector of the promise that he has given me. So if he said that it's yes and amen, then it's yes and amen. If he said that it's exceeding, exceedingly and abundantly, then it is exceedingly and abundantly above all that which we can ask or think. I've come to tell you today, he is a protector of his promise. He's a protector. Abraham didn't even know, and, and he did know to an extent, but he didn't know to the extent of Jesus how much Isaac, Jacob, and the lineage would have uh, to affect people that are living today. I'm pretty sure if God gave him a glimpse of all the people that he would really be fathers of, he said, through you, all the families of the earth would be, would be blessed. Through you. I'm talking about my family. I'm talking about your family. I'm talking about everybody's family. Through you, the families of the world would be blessed. And so I think it is important to understand and put a pin there that God is a protector of his promise. We good? Y'all enjoying this? This is my last point. And I want to make sure that I drive this home. The last thing that I want to cover is grace. Now, I have, I have said a lot of <laughs> negative things about Abraham. But the main thing that I want to highlight is even in Abraham's uh, inability to act right, even in his inability to acknowledge, communicate, and trust God, God still showed him and treated him with a level of grace. He still gave him grace. What does that mean? That even in his flaws, even in your flaws, even in my flaws, God overlooks, because this was before Christ, so God overlooked his, his problems and his issues and what he had done, and he dealt with him in a graceful manner. Aren't you glad that God deals with us in a graceful manner? I mean, the Bible tells us that he will not always strive with us. But I am grateful that grace and mercy is always on our side. <laughs> Even when grace runs out, mercy kicks in. That's the way I was taught. <laughs> Even when grace runs out, mercy kicks in. And so Abraham uh, had one issue that I want to highlight, and it was that he became comfortable with dysfunction. He became comfortable with dysfunction. Now, what does that mean? Dysfunction is not normal, uh, irregular, what, what have you. I think it is irregular or not normal to move without an instruction from God. That would classify as dysfunction. Abraham had gotten so comfortable with moving without an instruction from God that he found himself so many times in different situations that he had to deal with, and it became somewhat comfortable for him. How do I know? Well, Sarah, yeah, don't worry about it. Just lie again. Here we are again at the oh, same wow. thing. Just lie again. How many times do we get comfortable with dysfunction in our lives? Chaos going on around us. 
can't even think straight sometimes, can't even do what God has called us to do. And we're like, you know, well, this is just how it is. That's not how it is. That's not how it is. Hmm? And the very God of peace will bruise Satan's head. Huh? Peace that passeth all understanding. He said he will give you that kind of peace. So if you are moving and dealing in chaos, that is dysfunction. If every day you wake up, you're moving and dealing in chaos and, in di- and dysfunction, I'm coming to tell you that's not the will of God for your life. Right. You can have peace if you wait on the instruction. You can have joy if you wait on the instruction. If you act right. Somebody say act right. If you acknowledge, if you communicate, and if you trust. Hmm. I want to leave you with this point. Psalms 103 Verses 8 and 10. Uh, in the King James Version, it says, He hath not dwelt, dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Uh, the Passion Translation reads along this wise, You may discipline us for our many sins, but never as much as we really deserve. Nor do you even get nor do you get even with us for what we have done. Stand on your feet. I am good with the process. In the waiting room, you're dealing with many things. You may have fallen. You may be doing good, but you find yourself, everybody in this room can find themselves in one of the points that we've talked about today. The first point, if you are dealing with a critical spirit, if you are not happy with what God is doing in your life, come up to this altar. The rematch, if you feel like you're getting ready to come up against something and it's something that you've continually been dealing with, you've been qualified for the rematch. Meet me at this altar. Hmm? If you need to know about your calling and your purpose and the gift that God is giving you and you need confirmation and, and revelation on that, meet me at this altar. If you know that the protection of God or if you need more protection from God, if you need prayer that God will protect you, meet me at this altar. And if you need grace, everybody's hands should be up because I need it. I need you to meet me at this altar. Can we come to the altar today? Can we come to Jesus today? Huh? For every area in our life, huh? for what he is going to do. I know that you are in a waiting room. I know that you are dealing with a process. But you can come to this altar and receive prayer from so many people uh, as our prayer team is coming forward. You can receive prayer from the, the designated people up front. God does not deal with us according to our sin, but he deals with us according to his grace. I am thankful today. Are you thankful? Hallelujah. I am thankful today that God deals with us according to his grace. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. For he is good. He is good. I just want to pray today, and I want to prophesy a few things to you that I've been feeling in my spirit. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We praise you, and we give you glory. We pray now, Father, that in this waiting room, in this process time, we will embrace the process. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that those that are dealing with decisions, those that are dealing with, Father, 
gifts, invitations, your word. I pray, Father, that you would give them clarity and understanding on what you want them to do. Father, I pray that you would give them the strength to move forward. I pray now that you will give them the strength to stand in the name of Jesus. I thank you now, and I decree it to be so. As I was getting ready this morning, here's what I heard, and we read it on the onset. King Abimelech gave Abraham oxen, sheep, cattle. He also gave him land. He also gave his wife money. I want to let you know that February is the month of unparalleled miracles. February is the month of unparalleled miracles. It will, this will also be a year of record-breaking miracles. This has never happened to Abraham before along this wise. So I decree and declare to you today that this month will be a month of unparalleled miracles, that this year will be a year of record-breaking miracles. I decree it to be so in the name of Jesus. I decree in the name of Jesus over this house that blessings will flow without measure, that blessings will flow without stopping. I decree and declare in this place that it shall be so. I decree and declare in this place that sicknesses are drying up by the root. I decree and declare in this place that the healing of God will overtake us and that it will cause our bodies to work in 100% function. I decree and declare it in this place. Father, we thank you for the process. We do not take the process lightly and we do not take waiting well lightly. We want to wait well and we want to embrace the process. So we give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, if you receive it, why don't you give God praise, hallelujah, for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. If what you heard today impacted you, be sure to tell us about it. You can rate and subscribe to this podcast or contact us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or our website, calvarylifedfw.com. Thank you so much and have a great week.